If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3 and just park there for just a moment. Just park there for just a moment. Man, pastor has been preaching, hasn't he? (laughs) How many of you are enjoying this series? What God is, uh, you know, 2024, I can't believe it. We're already mid-February, but what God is already doing in 2024 is amazing. How many of you can give God praise for what he's doing in 2024? And the word that has been pouring out of our pastor has just been phenomenal and, and revelatory and life-changing. Amen. And so we've been in a season, uh, I'm sorry, a series where, where pastor has been t- teaching us how God can change our season and the things that we can do to literally affect the seasons of our life. Amen. And I want to continue in this vein and I want to speak to you that from, from the subject today, experiencing seasons. Someone say seasons. Of encounter and visitation. Someone say amen to that. Because I truly believe this, that God, when God wants to change our season and when God is inviting us into a moment where our whole lives can change, I have noticed, and I've seen this pattern in my life, and maybe you have too, have you ever noticed that a significant moment, a pivot, a change, a, 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 a time in your life where everything changed, oftentimes God uses the place of encounter to shift your season? How many of you have been there? I know I have. I, I can... I can take you back to places. You know, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, I thank God for all the times and the significant ways he's met me in my life. Like, like you, I can take you back to certain places and moments in my life and say, God met me here. God met me here in this way. You know, I can take you places even in this room. Certainly at our old campus, my God, I spent so much of my life there. I could, I could take you places in that old sanctuary and in that altar where God did something so powerful and so life-changing. I can say this, I, I was never the same. But there's, there's many places in our lives where God will encounter us. And, and although I, I want to make this very clear, we can encounter God every day. And we do. How many of you know we walk with him? And so... We're not just, when I say encounters, we're not just, it's not like we're waiting for these encounters to have relationship with him because we walk with him every day and we, to some degree, we encounter God every day. How many would agree with that? Or at least I should say it like this. We have the invitation and the opportunity to encounter God every day. But this is what I also know, that there are seasons in times, right, in our life Where God is doing something special and he will visit a person or persons in a significant way. How many of you can say amen and you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that yes, you can walk with the Lord, but you can say there are times where God has literally visited me and interrupted my life and encountered me in such a way, although I walked with him, there was something about that encounter that after having left that place, everything was different. And I'll I'll just say this before I read uh, the, the scriptures this morning. I actually believe that 
That is what God is. We're, I believe as a church right now, we are on the precipice of a, of, of a, of a very special move of God. It, you can, it, God has already been moving here, but if you pay attention to 2023 and even in 2024, what God is doing here at Inspired Church, God is moving in a special way. But I also believe we're just at the beginning. You know, some, uh, someone was asking us the other day and someone was talking to me the other day and they were asking about our growth. And I, I don't know if you've looked around, but we're growing. I don't know if you saw this morning, uh, they've already cleared the land for that other parking lot. And, and I was talking with someone uh, recently and just talking about the growth. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, what's going on over there? What are you guys doing? All this kind of stuff. And you've heard pastor talk about, you know, we call it the three W's here. We, you know, the warmth, right? We, we tell everybody we want every single person that walks through this building to number one, that we want people to feel genuinely loved, right? Coming to church should feel like coming to family's house. Amen. It should feel like home, right? And so we want people to feel the love of Christ. So we call that the warmth, right? And then the worship, because we prioritize worship. And then the word, we preach the word of God here. But I was telling someone the other day, I was like, you know, honestly, I don't really know how to, we don't really know how to explain our growth other than God is doing it. And I said, actually, the more I think about it, what I think is happening is because as a church, we have placed such an emphasis on the presence of God and on worship, I said, I think what's happening to us right now is I call it presence evangelism. That, that, that God is drawing people because it's almost like, it, it, how many know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like a radio or a cell tower. It sends out a frequency. There's a frequency coming from this place right now and people who are hungry for God are being drawn because... Because there's a frequency that's being put out. And I'm saying that, that to, to, saying that as a church family, I believe right now we are, God is, is not only moving, but God is inviting us. And, and I honor that about this church, that we honor the presence of God. Because I don't believe that can be said of everywhere, sadly. But I was telling someone, when I really think about it, I was like, they were like, do you mark it? I was like, sometimes we do, but no, we don't really mark it. We don't have the best strategies. I said, really, when I think about what God is doing at Inspire, and I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to all those things. When I think about what God is doing at Inspire, it's God is drawing people. And what, what I'm seeing now more than ever is that people are hungry for an encounter with God. And there are times and seasons in our life when, when God will invite us into a visitation and encounter that are so life-changing that it, it course corrects, it flips the script, and it turns everything upside down. And so I believe we are living in that moment. I believe we're living in an opportunity. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter is preaching the sermon on there on the day of Pentecost, he tells the crowd this. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Listen to what Peter says. So that time, someone say times. Come on, say it like you had some coffee this morning. Say times. Peter says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many of you are thankful for times and seasons where God comes so close, and it's a refreshing presence. Boy, I, I tell you what, I can't think of a time 
in society and culture now where people need the refreshing times that come from the presence of the Lord. But Peter said there are times, and that word times is literally where we get the word kairos from. It can mean time or season, but listen to this. More specifically, it actually means the right moment, the favorable moment, or something that is coming to a head. And so Peter says this, when the, when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he says, hey guys, there's a moment in time right now. Yeah, you can walk with God every day, but God is doing something special right now. And he says, if you'll turn, if you'll repent, if you'll lean in, there's times of refreshing that are coming from the presence of the Lord. And so there are times in our lives where God will come close. There are times in our lives where God will visit communities and churches. Can someone say amen? And I, I believe that. And I, and I thank God for what he's doing at Inspire. Can we give God praise for what he's doing right here at Inspire? But more and more, I'm convinced that that is where God is leading the church again. Because how many know all, the, all these other things we do, that, that's amazing. But how many know that what people need and what people are looking for, people are not looking for programs. People are not looking for what man can do. People are looking to have an encounter with the living God. And people, here's, here's the key. People are hungry for what really works. But I want to talk to you for just a few moments that I have left. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3. And I want to I want to talk uh, this morning from a very familiar passage. And for some reason, I've I've been stuck in this passage this year. I've just been meditating and praying through it. And this is Moses's famous encounter with the burning bush. How many are familiar with this story? Amen. From the time that we're children, we're, we're told this story in, and taught this story in Sunday school. If you were like me, you were raised on the Prince of Egypt. I mean, this is one of the first. Hey man, that I don't care what you say. That movie's amazing, right? Prince of Prince, Prince of Egypt goes hard. Okay, um, it's it's one of the first biblical stories that are imprinted in our minds. But you know, I've been praying through this story and the encounter that Moses had, and I don't know if you've ever actually stopped to think through this story of how much this moment not only changed the trajectory of Moses' life, but this, this moment didn't only change Moses' life, it changed a whole nation. And in fact, it changed the entire world. You see, I, I want to say this to you. Not, not every encounter is going to be as dramatic as Moses, and it doesn't need to be. But hear me when I say this. That an encounter with the living God not only changes us, there are people, hear me this morning, that you are assigned to. I, I, I want you to hear me this morning. There are people that you are assigned to in life that are waiting for you to show up because your destiny is destined to cross paths with them. But before you can be something for them or be what God has called you to be for them, God has to do something in you. 
And so I want to say that encounters are not only important for us, but encounters are how God changes history. And, you know, when we read the story, sometimes, you know, we, we want to compare it. Well, I, listen, whether you ever have an encounter like Moses or not, it doesn't matter. I believe God has an encounter for you. Whatever that looks like, you can encounter him. And when you do, I promise you, if it's a genuine, if it's real, if it's authentic, it will change everything. And there are times in our lives where God gives us an opportunity because here's why when God encounters us, it's because something needs to change. It's because it's because he needs to show us something. It's because he needs to fix something. It's because he needs to take us higher. It's because he needs to change our perspective. It's because it's because he needs to flip the script. And Moses is about to have the script flipped on that. Trust me, this he has no idea what's coming. uh, Exodus chapter 3, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who was the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And listen to what the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord, but you'll notice that angel is capitalized and Lord is capitalized, because this is not just an angel, this is what theologians call a theophany. This is God manifesting himself in a form before Christ. Are you with me this morning? So this is not any, in the Bible, there are certain angels that are identified and and listed, but you will find that oftentimes there's an angel that's identified, the angel of the Lord, and it's capitalized. Anytime you see that, this is Yahweh himself coming in the form of a theophany. Who did Jacob wrestle with that night? (laughs) It wasn't just an angel. The Bible says he wrestled with God and with man. Right? And so there are times where God will come as a theophany. He will manifest himself in a way that the the, the situation calls for. Amen? One of the coolest books I ever read was Who, who, Who Ate Lunch with Abraham? God, God is so cool. He can, he can come in all the different forms he needs to come in. And right here, the Bible says, while Moses is on the backside of the desert, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Someone say fire. From the midst of a bush. And here's where I, I, I really want us to pay attention. The Bible says, and Moses, so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why does this bush not burn? So when Moses saw and he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Right? Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. Someone say holy. Holy. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Father, just in these next few moments, would you open up these scriptures to us and bring revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, 
In, in chapter 3, well, when you go from chapter 2 to chapter 3, the Bible fast forwards really quick. But there's a lot of years here that are happening in Moses' life. Because we know when, when, when chapter 3 picks up that Moses is taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, Jethro. But it's amazing when you think about the contrast of Moses' life. Moses has the most dramatic life of anyone you've ever met. Right? He's saved out of the Nile. He's raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in Egypt. To this day, Egypt is the longest lasting empire the world has ever seen, right? It outlasted so many different empires. And so Moses is raised in, in, in the home of the Pharaoh. And he lives a life of luxury and wealth and, and power. And then we know, we know the story. Something starts to happen inside of Moses and he starts to have a longing for his people. And one day he gets in trouble, right? He actually kills an Egyptian to help a, a, a Hebrew out, right? And the Bible says he has to flee Egypt because Pharaoh wants to kill him. But here's what's amazing. I heard someone say it like this. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life being somebody. Then the next 40 years he spent being nobody. So that God could finally use him <laughs> his remaining 40 years. But I want you to see this contrast. Because by the time we get to chapter 3, many years have passed since he's been living in Egypt. Now Moses has is, is, is been living in a place called Midian, which is literally in the desert. And not only that, he's taking care of sheep. Talk about contrast. How many know if you've never... <laughs> how many know... If, if, if you've always taken care of sheep your whole life, it's a lot easier just to do that. How many know it's a lot harder to come, go from living in a palace to living in the desert? You know what I'm saying? Like that's, usually you want it. But this is Moses' life now. But it, it, isn't it Interesting. Moses is about, is about to have an encounter that's going to change everything. But isn't it interesting, just think with me for a moment, how God uses everything in our life. Because Moses doesn't know it yet, but Moses has been trained his entire life. And he's been being prepared by God for his ministry and his purpose. Can I say something to somebody? Many times... We want everything to be on our timeline. And, and I, I know I'm like you. I don't want to have to walk through certain things. I, I, would, I would prefer to take the easy route, the quick route. Please, no process. But how many of you have learned this with God? God only works through process. Now, if I can shorten that process, great. And I, th I think we can. Hey, if we can learn the lessons, if we can submit early, maybe we can shorten those processes. But how many of you know that when it comes to having a life of meaningful purpose or destiny, there is no getting there without going through process. And the truth of the matter is Moses' destiny is connected to two or three different places. First of all, he has an assignment in Egypt. He's already lived there. But guess what Moses didn't know? The next phase of his life, he would have an assignment in the wilderness. So Moses spent 40 years as a refugee running, 
let's be honest, he's a criminal hiding out in the backside of the desert. And Moses thinks, hey, this is just my life now. This is who I am. And he's almost accepted it. But here's the thing. And there's no, we have no mention of complaint or anything like that. But here's the point. While Moses thinks, thinks that this is just his life now, he's, he's, he's taken to this new place. Uh, identity and where he is. He has no idea that God has been using the wilderness as a training ground because here's what's going to happen. And here, here's the other fascinating thing. All along the way, you see preview of what's in Moses, because while Moses was in Egypt, he saved one Hebrew. Then the Bible says the minute he fled to Midian, he came to a well and he saw a group of people picking on another group of people. And what does the Bible say? He rescued them. You see, so Moses has already been practicing. Some of you are going to start getting, see... The, the, the seed of destiny, there are gifts and things that God has put in you that have already been operating in your life. Then after, after he rescues these people at the well, he gets a wife out of it, right? And so he gets a father-in-law. So now he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And so he's, he's taken to this new identity. But here's the thing that Moses doesn't realize is that while he's walking sheep around the wilderness, he doesn't understand that this is a prophetic picture of a coming attraction. Because Moses, because you're faithfully taking care of this sheep in the desert, by the way, when Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, it may have been their first time in the wilderness, but Moses knows this place like the back of his hand. Because he has spent the last 40 years being here on the backside of a desert where no one knew his name. And he thinks this is just his life. But he doesn't understand that these have been the very training grounds. Because while he's leading sheep right now, he's about to lead millions of people to this same place. And so Moses, when he comes to this this place... God doesn't just pick any place. The Bible says he leads the sheep from Midian to the, to the, to the side of a mountain. Because this is the very mountain that God is going to bring the children of Israel to. This is the very mountain that Moses is going to ascend and see the glory of the Lord. But Moses knows none of this. This is just another Tuesday to Moses. But God's going to flip the script. So I want to say this. Moses has been this way many times. And this may be one of my favorite things about how God encounters us. Many times we think that. That to encounter God, we have to go somewhere or, or relocate. Or it, the, the encounter somewhere out there. But here's what I've often realized about God. God knows how to meet us where we've been and, and not only that, God has a way of showing us that where we have been has had a purpose. And so when Moses, when God finds Moses this day, I want you to see this. Moses, this is not an unfamiliar place. Moses knows this place. But the Bible says this, that while the flame burned, this, this, the, uh, was consuming this, uh, this bush, the Bible says that it was not destroyed. And the, this is what's interesting. Moses has seen a bush on fire before because scholars tell us that these type of plants could actually catch on fire often in the wilderness. So you have to understand, Moses has seen fires before. What catches Moses' attention is not that there's a bush that's burning, 
He doesn't understand how is this bush burning, but it's not being destroyed. So Moses is walking and he sees this bush and it's on fire and he's thinking, okay, you know, just, just I've seen this many times before. But after a while, he starts to pay attention. He says, there's something different about this. This bush is not being destroyed. And what does the Bible say? Moses said in himself, I have to turn and see what is going on. Can I preach like I want to? You see, many times an encou- the encounters that will change our life come in the form of an invitation. I know, listen, I know I'm like you. I want to be like Paul. I want God to knock me off my donkey, right? Sometimes he will. Sometimes God will show up and just boom, just interrupt things. But here's how most encounters happen. Most encounters don't happen that way. Most encounters come like this. That bush is burning and God is calling from the the middle of it. But you've got to turn and look. You've got to pay attention because God doesn't always jump in front of you and shout and and throw his hands up. No, 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 no. God starts a fire and he says, will you turn aside and look? God gives invitation, but but, but we have to recognize the moment. And the Bible says that Moses walks towards the bush because he goes, what is happening here? This This is not ordinary. Amen? But here's my favorite part, and this is what I've come to preach. It says that when he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And then God says this. Don't draw near to this place. Take your sandals off. Turn to your neighbor and say, take your shoes off. Not literally. I could use that as an opportunity for a joke, but I'm going to keep going. God says, take your sandals off, for the place you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, all those things. And through the years, I've read this so many times, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, holy ground, take your shoes off. But for the first time ever, I thought, this is so strange. I want you to really think for me, with me for a second. Does God really care about Moses' sandals? How many people in the Bible encountered God and God never told them, take off your sandals? Right? If that was the case, every time we went into worship, we'd all be doing this, right? Like praying to God that you washed your socks. Or that you wore socks, right? Right? And, and so I'm reading this, I'm thinking, what, 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 this is, what, what, so what, what is this? God is not telling Moses to take his sandals off because God cares about the sandals. He's communicating something to Moses. Because Moses lives in a culture in the Middle East where you walk around all day out here and you're tracking God knows what. So what, what, what do you think Moses does every day when he gets home? I bet you anything his wife's like, you better take those shoes off. Right? God says, Moses, take your shoes off. Not because God is actually offended with his sandals. 
Because he wants, he wants Moses to recognize this is not an ordinary moment, Moses. You're used to taking off your sandals when you enter a place, a sacred place, a home, a place where you, out of respect you will take your shoes off. Moses, you're in a moment. I need you to take your shoes off. Not because I care, but I want you to recognize this is not a normal moment. Are you hearing me this morning? This was not for God. This was for Moses. And, and God says, this is holy ground. Now, I want you to think about this. This is not an impressive place. This is the backside of a desert where there's very little rain, if any rain at all throughout the year. This is a, this is a unlivable place. There's not many creatures that can exist in this place. And God says, Moses, take off your sandals because this place is holy. And here's what God is telling Moses. This is what I believe God is telling Moses. Moses, I chose this place because you've been hiding out for 40 years. But let me tell you something. Anywhere that I am is holy. I know you think, listen, you think you can hide? No, take off your shoes because here, I want you to turn your neighbor and say, here, here is holy. Because God can encounter you anywhere. God doesn't need a special location. God doesn't pick the best places. God can show up anywhere and say, take off your shoes. This place is holy. Because you don't have to run or go anywhere to encounter God. God can encounter you where you are. Are you with me? But what I also believe he's telling Moses is this. This is just Drew's interpretation. Moses, take off your shoes. Because you're home. All of Moses' life, or the last 40 years, the only place he's taking off his shoes is when he gets home from work at the end of the day. And I, I believe what God is communicating to Moses is much deeper than what we actually read on the surface. Because what he's actually telling Moses is, Moses, I want, okay, I, I almost take my jacket off, but I, I'm going to leave it on. What he's telling Moses is this, Moses, you have felt out of place all your life. You were raised in Egypt, but you never fit in there. And when you got older, you knew something was wrong. And guess what? You got yourself in trouble and you had to leave there. And then Moses, guess what? You've spent the last 40 years just settling into this identity, but you've never felt at home because those weren't your people. And these really aren't your people. You've married into this, but this isn't even your blood. Your whole life. Are you hearing me this morning? Your whole life has, you have felt unsettled. You have felt out of place. And Moses, you've never known where you quite belong. Really, Moses, who are you? And that's why many years later, it's Moses in Psalm 90. I want you to see this. Many, many years later, Moses pins this psalm. You know, because when we read the book of Psalm, we automatically attribute every psalm to David. But how many know that Moses wrote some of those psalms? Because I want, I want you to know this. Moses was a man after God's own heart. Moses was a God chaser too. Not just David. There was a man named Moses that came before David who got a glimpse of something and never stopped pursuing God. Moses had a special relationship with God. And you know what? It began this day at the burning bush. And many, many, many years later, I want you to see this. Moses writes this in Psalm chapter 90. He said this. You, Lord... 
have been our dwelling in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, you formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting, someone say everlasting, to everlasting. But I want you to catch what Moses says. He said, God, you have been our home. You have been our home, our resting place. He said, God, you have been our dwelling place. You see, because Moses never felt at home anywhere until he encountered God. And through that encounter, God began to settle in Moses who Moses really was. And Moses said, I know why I didn't. I felt out of place in Egypt. And I know why out here I feel like nobody. But now that I've encountered you, I have found my home. I have found a place where I can rest. And I'm closing if I could have the musicians. I'm already out of time. Are you with me this morning? Because here's what I have found. Just as a human being, but as a pastor, here's what I do know in talking with people and interacting with people. I know this for a fact. Most people are wandering through this life asking this question, where do I belong? Who am I really? Where am I going? Why have I been through what I've been through? Why have I, why did things happen the way they happen? I know these existential questions because I encounter them every day and every week. And what happens is, is no matter where we go, we get temporary relief in all of these other things, right? I mean, some of us have been there. You ever notice, you ever, you ever achieve something you really wanted to achieve, right? And it, and it felt amazing. And how many know achievement is good? But it's, it's weird. It's like, once you achieve it, it's like, ah, after like a week, it's like, why? Hear me this morning. Why do I still feel empty? Technically right now, I should, why did this only last 72 hours or whatever, however many hours or a week, however long that lasted? Or you got in a relationship and everything felt great at first, but, but then after a while you realize, wait, why, why do I still feel this? And you know, the more, I pay attention and lean into our lives and in many people's lives. I realize, you know, most people feel unsettled. Because God will never let us get comfortable in anything other than him. Because here's why we can try on many things and it works and they can be good things. You can, you can find your purpose before you find God. But if you, if you don't find him, you won't find fulfillment. You can find a wife or a husband and that could be a good thing. But guess what? You'll always want them to be God because you're, you're, you're what you're actually looking for and what you're longing for is only found there. Are you with me this morning? And I, I don't know if you saw this or not. If I could have the musicians come, please. Elmo, y'all know Elmo from Sesame Street? Elmo has a Twitter account. I'm, I'm so serious right now. And trust me, he's got more followers than all of us, okay? I don't know what you call it. It's called X now. But I'm just using tweeting because that's what we have always called it. But Elmo put out a tweet. And said, hey, friends, 
You know, I guess he says this on Sesame Street. Just want to check in and see how you're doing. Psychologists and sociologists now are studying the tweet because so many people responded to Elmo. And they said, hey, Elmo, I'm actually doing horrible. Some people are saying, I live in complete dread and misery. People, I mean, I started, I was reading some of the tweets. Hey, Elmo, I'm at the lowest I've ever been. Unfulfilled, unsettled. Do you know one of the things that defines our times? Unsatisfied. Do you know how miserable that is? To live in a time where you've got, we have everything at our fingertips. What kind of pleasure do you want? What kind of pleasure do you see? What kind of entertainment do you want? And we are overstimulated, overinformed, and miserable. Because you know what we keep doing? We keep eating of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We keep learning more and, and nothing, nothing wrong with learning. But we wonder why I'm, why I'm learning. I'm getting all this information, but I'm unsettled. I have more entertainment at my fingertips than anybody in the, in the history of the world. But I, I, I consume Netflix. Nothing wrong with Netflix. But, but afterwards, what, what do I do next? I'm unsettled. I'm unfulfilled. And that's what, when, what I really believe is happening at a deeper level that day. As God says, Moses, take off your shoes because you're home. Because when you think back, I, I have to close, but I, I, the Lord wants us to hear this today. When you think back over your life, if you'll stand with me to your feet, I only got about to about half of my notes. Does this help anybody this morning? When you think back on your life, just for a second, as our altar workers come. Think about a moment in your life when you had no worries. You weren't thinking about the past. You weren't thinking about the future. And you were able to just be yourself and to feel loved and to feel safe. And when I thought about it, I thought, wow. I was brought back to my childhood. I think about being 10 or 11 or 12 and being at home. And maybe some of you say, well, I never got that experience because my whole life. And I I, I sympathize with that. But maybe now as a parent, you've tried to create an environment in your home where your children can just be. How many know what I'm talking about? I watch my children sometimes. They are so carefree. Their only care is which toy do I grab next? But sometimes I watch my children and I look, look, look how they are at home. But you know, because I, you know what I know deep down, a lot of us really want, we just want to be at home. I just want peace. I just want to know that I belong. That there's purpose in everything that I've been through. And most of us just want to be settled. Not everything's perfect. I think what God is telling Moses, Moses, these last, these last 80 years of your life have been, it's been something, but take off your shoes 
this will be the first encounter of many encounters that Moses has in his life. And that's why many, many years later, he will write, God, you have been our home for all generations. You've been the only place that I've ever found that I really belong. That I find, where I find peace. Where I find rest. So I want you just to close your eyes with me this morning. I have to close because I'm out of time. One of the greatest things that God does for us in an encounter is he stops us in our tracks. And he reveals himself to us. But here's the most beautiful thing about, one of the most beautiful things about God. When you encounter God, you not only encounter who he is, you find out who you really are. Because God says you've tried on so many different things. But none of it's working. You're still unsettled. And Moses, I got plans for you. But before you can be that person, you have to encounter me. Because when we encounter him, there's a deposit that is made. He's the father to the fatherless. It says he places those who are in isolation, he places them in family. Moses would also write Psalm 91. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God. Where do you think he learned that? So, Father, right now, every head lifted in this room. I'm praying for those in this room, Father, who need you. If you're, if you're watching via live stream or you're watching here in person and you've never received the Lord, let's pray a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Wash me in your blood. I receive you as my Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. But with your hands lifted, I'm already over my time, so I want to do this quick. I, I, you know, as I was preparing this message, I know, I know it sounds so simple, but I, the, I felt like the Lord said, I want to settle my people again in this season. Some of us are running to and, and fro and, and we're just restless and anxious and worried and all of those things. But God is about to change someone's season because you're about to encounter God in a way where he's going to silence the voice of your past. He's going to silence the guilt and the shame from your past. He's going to, for a moment, silence your worries about the future. 
And I feel like the Lord is saying he wants you to encounter him in this season. He's going to say, take off your shoes for you are on holy ground. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am going to be your God. The God I was for them, I'm going to be for you. And so, Father, over each and every person now, even now, I'm going to open up these altars. If you would like to come, if you need God to do something in your life, if you're saying, Andrew, this is a season where I need to encounter the Holy Spirit in a special way. We're opening up these altars right now. You can just come. You don't even have to wait on me. But for all of you here who have to go, who have to get children, who have to, who have to leave service, I'm praying over you as you go today that the Lord would continue to draw you into a place of encounter. That this would be a season where he would arrest your attention and minister to your heart. That he would, he would not be just the God who, who has done it for others, but he will be the God who encounters your life. That there will be a noticeable difference, a change, a demarcation, a mark on your life from this season forward. There are some things that have to leave. There are some things that have to die. There are some things that have to be left at the altar so that you can move on to what God has for you next. So, Father, I thank you for your presence in this building. I bless your people as they go. I thank you, God, for a time and a season of encounter and refreshing in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you, Inspire Church. God bless you. God bless you. We love you and we'll see you this week. God bless you.